Welcome to the South Plains Church of Christ podcast. To stay up to date on what's going on and how you can be involved, visit southplains.org. I pray that this message reveals God's truth and love to you today. Let's dive in. Well, this morning we consider together part of Luke's gospel that deals with the whys, our motives. Often it was our mothers who uh, reminded us, as Kyle related to, to do the right thing. But Jesus teaches and models for us, it's not just enough to do the right thing. But we're to do the right thing with the right motives, with the, with the right, from the right whys. So, why are you kind to people? Is it to help them or is it to manipulate them? Why do you praise God? Is it because you love Him? Or is it just, well, I don't know, that's what you were raised to do. Why do you try to live a moral life? Because you want to please God or you just want to, don't want to get in trouble with your mother? <laughs> Motives are really not easily identified or, uh, or measured. That doesn't mean we shouldn't try, because we are told in Scripture that God doesn't just look on the outward appearance, but that God looks at our heart. And if we praise God with our lips, Jesus says, and our hearts are far from him, then we're hypocrites, and our praise is useless. So if Jesus is Lord, and this is the series we've been in, then he is also Lord of this area of aligning our motives with our actions. And so I want to suggest to you in the beginning that there are two categories of motives, the first being legitimate motives. Sometimes we do the right thing out of love, love for God, love for neighbor. But there are other legitimate motives, like duty. The old sage said in the book of Ecclesiastes, fear God and keep his commandments. This is the whole duty of humanity. Soldiers who give their lives uh, for their country do so out of duty. Usually we attend church gatherings because of duty or habit. Now, it may be rooted in love, should be rooted in love, but sustained by duty. Sometimes we do the right things out of guilt. Now, that can be a negative thing, and our culture always considers it a negative thing, and yet there is a positive guilt that motivates us towards confession of sin and repentance and living right. Sometimes we do the right thing out of fear. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, the proverb says. The Apostle John says, perfect love casts out fear, which we sometimes think contradict each other. But the truth is, the more we mature in Jesus, the more we become, the more we get to know God, the better we know God, the less we relate to him in fear and the more we relate to him in trust. And sometimes, but sometimes fear is that bottom line. One woman told her husband, if you do that, I'll be a divorced murderer. So, 
Sometimes fear is the bottom line, right? But, but there can be a good fear. Paul gave the Roman church a list in Romans chapter 1, a list that follows the downward spiral of humanity into depravity. And the last condition is a heart that is so hard, there is no fear of God. The second category is sinful, sinful motives. When we do the right thing, we do the right thing, but it's out of anger. Maybe it's a flash of temper uh, when a parent screams at a child. It's wrong motivation. May have been right in the correction or the concern, but wrong motivation. Or an anger disciplines a child. Right action, wrong motive. Everyone, James said, should be slow to anger. Or a child who, who responds correctly but does so in anger. The famous child who says, I may be sitting down on the outside, but I'm standing up on the inside. When you do the right thing out of pride, which leads to greed, envy, rebellious behavior, nobody tells me what to do. Proverb writer reminded us that pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Sometimes we do the right thing, but it's out of selfishness, which, you know, it's, it's, it, which is always sinful. Paul said, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. And sometimes we do the right thing, but it's out of hatred, which was wicked. The wicked, the psalmist wrote, Psalm 28.3, who speak cordially with their neighbors, but harbor malice in their hearts. Hatred that conceals for a while, but eventually will burst out in evil behavior. We see it when the disgruntled uh, employee who hates his supervisor so much, he later returns to the business with a gun and unloads it on people. This is the result, maybe of doing what's right, but out of the wrong, a sinful motive. I lay that out just because I want us to have that as a bedrock as we begin to look at the fact that Jesus wants to be Lord of both our motives and our behavior. The prophet Jeremiah spoke for God in Jeremiah 17.10, saying, I, the Lord, search all hearts and examine secret motives or the mind, and I give people their due rewards according to their, what their actions deserve. Notice there's both motive and action. It was Jesus who said, out of the heart, motive, comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, lying, slander. These are what defile you. And we have to admit at times that we do things out of mixed motive, don't we? We want, some, we do, we, we want to do something out of the right motive, but it's also mixed maybe with one of these others. Our goal as we grow in Jesus Christ is to reach a point where our motives are pure and where they align correctly with our actions. Here's how the Apostle Peter said it. Make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. Now, in Luke chapter 11, which is where we're headed, in verse 14, Jesus' motives are questioned. The why. Why are you doing this? Verse 14, one day Jesus cast out a demon from a man who couldn't speak. And when the demon was gone, the man began to speak. The crowds were amazed. But some of them said, well, no wonder he can cast out demons. He gets his power from Satan or Beelzebul, the prince of demons. 
Others trying to test Jesus demanded that he show them a miraculous sign from heaven to prove his authority. So here they are questioning, accusing Jesus of evil motive and what he's good he's doing. Some people try to discredit God's people, the church, by questioning motives. You're just trying to please people. You're just trying to entertain people. You, you go to church, but you're just trying to maintain a network of business contacts. You, you give, but you only give because you get a tax break, not much anymore. You quit partying, it's just because you want to show us you're better than everybody else. It's difficult to refute the accusation of an evil motive because it's an intangible thing. It may be partially true. How can you prove your motive? Only God knows that, who looks on the heart. Notice Jesus' response to this accusation in verse 17. He knew, he knew their thought, thoughts. He knew their heart, right? And so he said, any kingdom divided by itself or civil war is doomed. A family splintered by feuding will fall apart. You say, I am empowered by Satan. But if Satan is divided and fighting against himself, how can his kingdom survive? Jesus' answer is, your accusation is illogical. If Satan cancels out Satan, there is no Satan. Your accusation is self-incriminating. Look in verse 19. If I am empowered by Satan, what about your own exorcists? They cast out demons too. So they will condemn you for what you have said. But if I'm casting out demons by the power of God, then the kingdom of God has arrived among you. And he also tells them your accusation is admission of my power. Verse 21, when a strong man, fully armed, guards his own house, his possessions are safe. But when someone stronger attacks and overpowers him, he takes away the armor in which the man trusted and divides up his plunder. Since he drives out demons, Jesus says, he's stronger than Satan's power. That's not what he's driving out demons by. Beginning in verse 37, Jesus exposes the hypocritical motives of his accusers. Being God, he can do that, seeing the heart. The first thing we see is the Pharisee was not acting out of hospitality. Come and have dinner with me. He was acting out of entrapment. How can I get this guy and catch him? Verse 37, as Jesus was speaking, one of the Pharisees invited him home for a meal. So Jesus went in and took his place at the table. His host was amazed to see that he sat down to eat without first performing the hand-washing ceremony required by Jewish custom. You see, they believed righteousness was external, something that you do. That's what it's all about. Verse 39, then the Lord said to him, you Pharisees are so careful to clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside you are filthy, full of greed and wickedness. Fools, didn't God make the inside as well as the outside? Jesus was saying to them, you do all of these things on the outside that looks good, but on the inside, 
It's all rottenness and corruption, and it's repulsive. You give of your resources, yes, but your motive is totally selfish. You, you meticulously give 10% of all that you have, but your motive is, isn't a desire to please God, but rather, to, uh, excuse me, it's not to see justice done to the poor or please God, but that everybody else might see you and think that you are generous and righteous. He says to them in verse 44, you're like unmarked graves. There's a nice grassy surface, never suspecting the rot and corruption that's six feet under. Twenty times, twenty times, Jesus uses the word hypocrite to describe the motive of the Pharisees. Well, what do you get all from this, Jim? Well, I'm going to suggest to you some practical points for making Jesus Lord of your motives. How do we go about doing this? And the first one I think is just, I think, obvious, and that is examine your motives. When the Corinthians were accusing Paul of bad motive, he told them that they they should examine themselves. 2 Corinthians 13, verse 5. Look in the mirror. Do you see somebody in whom the Spirit of Jesus is living and active? Is Jesus living and working in you? Is the crucified life of Jesus present in you? Listen to what you say and how you respond to other children of God. Can you say with Paul, My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And so I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Years ago, a preacher in Chicago decided that he had to deal with his pride by doing something that would humble him. And so he rented himself out for the day to walk, this was long ago, to walk around town with a sandwich sign. You know, it's a very, he rented himself as a billboard, basically. Very, a very um, humiliating and exhausting, he said, experience. And here, as he recorded his thoughts that day in his journal, he said, that's such a humbling thing. I bet that there's no preacher in Chicago who'd be willing to do what I did today. And then he realized he was proud of his humility. Why do you do? what you do. Why did you come to church this morning? Well, my mother asked me. Why do you strive to excel at work? Is it to support your family or is it to impress people? Why do you lead in worship so others can see Jesus or so others can see you? Why do you visit someone in the hospital? To encourage them or to look merciful to others? Why send a graduation gift to the boss's daughter? Well, it's kind of a painful exercise. But here's what I'll tell you it should do. For us who are in Jesus Christ, as we just celebrated in the Lord's Supper, here's what this kind of exercise should do for us. It should underscore our need for His grace. Because deep down we realize we're really not very good people. The song sang in the clip earlier, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a really good person like me, is not what it says, is not what we sing. 
the word we sing is a wretch like me. And if you don't know what that old word is, go look it up. It underlines our need for grace. When you examine your motives, you know that you're no better than anybody else. You're no better than anybody else in this room or in this community. Except for the grace and the good gift of Jesus Christ. Without which you would stand condemned. Examine yourself. And accept his grace. Here's another, determined to be authentic. Paul said to the Corinthians in the second letter, we speak with sincerity knowing that God is watching us. That's our goal. To serve with excellence from the highest motivation in all that we do. But is that our motivation? Or what is our motivation? In the next chapter of Luke, Luke chapter 12, Jesus refers to this hypocrisy, he's called out, as the yeast of the Pharisees. It's something that, if you're not careful, it just grows and grows and grows. And he warns his disciples about it, saying, everything, everything will be exposed. So be authentic. Be authentic. Another thing, do the right thing. Do the right thing regardless. Don't get discouraged and quit. Do the right thing. The way to prove your love is not to sit around and wait for your motives to become pure. <laughs> no, do the right thing anyway. One father always neglected his girls when they were growing up, but he always gave them extravagant gifts on their birthday, to which his wife would tell him, you can't buy their love. They're grown now. He still sends them birthday gifts. His, his daughters write back with thank you notes, saying, Dad, you can't buy our love, but keep trying. <laughs> Do the right thing regardless. The right action with less than ideal motive is better than wrong action or no action. If you don't feel like kissing your mate goodbye because you're angry with her or him, it's better to do the right thing anyway. Even if you don't feel like it, kissing your mate, even when you don't feel like it, may improve your chances of reconciliation, and it may improve your motivation. If you, don't do, the, if you do the right thing, it's possible for your motivation to be elevated. If you do the wrong thing, it's likely your motivation will deteriorate. Psychologist William James from the last century said, if you act the way you wish you felt, Eventually, you feel the way you wanted to. It's not hypocritical to go through motions sometimes if, if you sincerely believe it's the right thing to do. Jesus said in John 14, 23, All who love me will do what I say. Well, finally... I suggest to you to purify your hearts. We sang about that this morning. It's, it is a time to, to contemplate that. And here's what Jesus said about it in Luke 11, verse 34. Your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body. And when your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when it's unhealthy, your body is filled with darkness. 
Make sure that the light you think you have is not actually darkness. If you're filled with light with no dark corners, then your whole life will be radiant, as though a floodlight were filling you with light. Just as your physical body is made up of the food that you take in, your mouth, so your heart is made up of what you let in your mind through your eyes. If you feed your mind and your heart on the corruption of this world, you darken your motive and there will be duplicity between what's, what's going on in your thought life and, and your motives and what you know to be right actions. So saturate your heart with the things of Jesus. And the light of Jesus will shine through you. And you will want to do the right thing. Jesus said in that great sermon, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. On the cross on that day, that Jesus took all the darkness of the wicked one on himself in order to set us free. And if you want to see perfect motive, if you want to see perfect action, look at the cross. For there you find righteousness. As Peter described, the righteous for the unrighteous. Here's how Jesus said it in Mark chapter 1, verse 15. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. The right motive, believe. The right action, repent. And if that is your motive, Jesus invites you to take that next step. And we'll be happy to meet you down here in front after we get through or in the prayer room off the south foyers. Bobby Hooten will be over there or up in the balcony. Brian Pitnello is as well. Let's stand together and sing. Thanks for listening. Again, I want to encourage you to visit southplains.org where you can find all sorts of information, including how to contact us and how to request prayer. Thank you for joining us.